you know, in 1492, this is where he accidentally landed. He was actually trying to find a trade route to the West Indies. But he ended up accidentally landing here. And uh, they've erected a lot of statutes. They've uh, done this for him. He was a slave runner. He was brutal. Uh, he, he got a thousand of these natives and locked them up. And he picked out 500 of them and brought them back to Spain to sell as slaves. Some of them as young as eight and nine years old. And they were very brutally treated and uh, I found out that they went after Christopher Columbus and they brought him back to Queen Isabella and Fernando of Spain and they locked him in chains. That's the way he came back as a prisoner. Now he had bartered with them. They said, if you'll finance these trips, I want to be governor of all of the all of the." territory that I've conquered and he said I want 10% of all the loot of all the gold that we we come back with so he his governorship didn't last very long because he he was very brutal and uh, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand they were Christians actually and in uh, Spain at that time, it was a time of the Inquisition. And if you, you could not be a member of Spain if you was not a member of the Catholic Church of, and become a Christian. You had to become a Christian to be a citizen in Spain. It was required. Now with all this said, and said let me say this. Should we destroy everything that Columbus stood for? Here is what we do is this. He is to be remembered and commended on what he done good. And then he is to be condemned on what he done bad. I think that's fair enough. And whether his statutes come down or whether the names of the cities is changed, that should be up to the people that, that these people that these belong to. Amen. And that's not given or taken or anything about race of any kind of race. It's just saying that's the way things should be handled, not doing it on your own. Amen. All right. Yeah. But with that said, I just put my two bits in there. Okay, and I thought it was a good two bits. Here's where we are, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Thessalonian church has been going through extensive, great tribulation and persecution. In AD uh, 69... Nero condemned Christianity. Uh, Rome was caught on fire and he blamed the Christians. He said they done it. And they was thousands upon thousands of crucifixions of Christians. They were crucified. 
They were put on a cross and they were burned at the stake. And uh, Nero might done a great, great uh, persecution to the Christian church. Now these Thessalonians was living in this time and Paul was writing to them. Actually, if you back up to verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulations. So he's commending the church for their patience, their perseverance, and their faith in a time of persecution. Okay? Now let's go look over in our text in chapter 2. And let's look over there in verse 13. He says, But we are bound to give thank always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to a, the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Let's leave off right there. Father, as we come to thy throne... Thank you, great God, for your word, a great comfort to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that in a time of crisis, in a time of trouble, Lord, you are there to comfort us and give us hope. We thank you, great God, and we pray your blessings upon America. Pray that she might find her way again back to the old paths. Lord, just teach us to be patient Teach us, great God, uh, to be understanding. When, Father, when we don't understand, help us, God, to give comfort and hope and a word of encouragement, Lord, to those that are going through trial. We ask these blessings, God, in your precious name. And in Jesus' name we ask it all. And amen. Amen. How do we survive a crisis? How do we survive troubled times? And, you know, we've been going through some troubled times. You know, we're living in the making of history. Historians right now and filmmakers, they're documenting everything that we're going through. And they'll be... There'll be films, there'll be books, there'll be history that will be written about what we've been doing and what we've been going through, the changes that we make. You know, I wonder, you know, in times like these, sometimes, you know, people ask, is there any hope? 
Is there any hope? There was a submarine that sunk off of the coast of Massachusetts back in World War II. It was an S-4 submarine. And my, how that my, when they finally, divers went down to this thing, they heard the tapping on the inside of the sub. And when they described or decoded it, it was Morse code, they asked, is there any hope? Is there any hope? You know, a lot of people are asking that right now. People that are, there's been over 120,000 people that have lost their lives in this pandemic. Is it a hoax? <laughs> Listen, friend, uh, you better ask those 120,000 folks and their families if it's a hoax. It's not a hoax. This is for real. And you know, people that are in these intensive care units, and right now, uh, Florida and Houston, uh, their, their intensive care uh, right now is maxed out. And I seen last week, I don't, I don't need to mean to spread bad news, but actually it was yesterday that Florida had 9,000 new cases in one day, yesterday. And you got, this thing isn't over. It's for real. Uh, we are going through it. And listen, friend, we just have to say this is reality. Uh, these people want to live in a fairy world and a fairy tale and, and deny reality. Listen, friend, it is a reality. Listen to your doctors. Listen to your your epidemiologist and people that's over these things. Listen, that's why they got their position is because they know what they're doing. Amen? And my listen, friend, when I think about, you know, these patients, you know, when, you know, I always thought if I get this thing, I'm going to end up on a vent because I got asthma. And there's a lot of you that's got medical complications and it's not going to be good for you. And you know, the first thing that you'd ask, is there any hope? What kind of prognosis? What kind, what's my odds of beating this thing? And you know, pastors are also asking the same thing, a lot of them about their churches. You know, their churches that used to run, you know, I've seen churches that used to run 120 they're right down where we are. They're right down to 30 and 40 people. And, you know, we're doing good. We're in good shape for the shape we're in. People say, well, why are we still having church? Because it hadn't hit here yet. And I say yet. But Huntington, uh, as of this morning, had 107 cases. Last week at this time, we had 77. So it's gone up you know, 40% in one week. You know, so uh, when people start running to and fro in the earth, that's when you bring back uh, these things that are, that are not good for, for anybody in our community, especially our older folks. But, you know, is there hope for our churches? Is there hope for our patients? Is there hope, you know, for a vaccine? Can we get through this? You know, Hebrews 6 and 19, he says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, both steadfast and sure, which 
Christ entereth in our forerunner, entereth within the veil. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Jesus. He's the only hope we got. You know, your hope is not in the stock market. Your hope is not in, listen friend, a vaccine. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the church. He's the hope of the Christian. And that's basically what Paul's saying here in verse 16. He says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, has given us an everlasting consolation and good hope. And when you begin to think about this word hope, it always means a future expectation, a certainty that's going to happen. It's not an if or a maybe or a hope so. It's a no so. And that's what the word hope in the scripture is all about. Now Paul has given these Christians some hope, you say. Oh, no, 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 no. He's not just given them some hope. He's given them good hope. There's a difference. Now listen, friend, this is not just an ordinary hope. This is an exceptionally good hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ because He enters within the veil. He's in the inner court. You know where the inner court is? Where this anchor is? Which is both steadfast and sure. My, it's in the inner court of God's presence. You know where our hope is, brother? Listen, friend, for every child of God. Brother, it's in the, it's in the courtroom, the throne room of Almighty God. Oh, you listen, friend, do you have hope when the doctor says cancer? Do you have hope? When, my listen, friend, they say pandemic. Listen, friend, Christ is beyond the reach of any circumstance. He's greater than any problem I could ever face or have. Hey, listen, friend, he has given us the hope. Now, he says here in the Word that this is something, he says, that has given us Everlasting consolation. The word consolation there, and again in 17, he says, comfort your hearts. The word here is the very same word that he uses in John in the, uh, in the 16th chapter, 14th chapter, in the 16th verse of the, of the gospel of John, when he says, if I go away, the comforter is going to come. He's the one that will abide with you and will lead you and guide you into all truth. Now the comforter, he's one like, listen friend, that will abide with you. He's such a comforter because, listen friend, when you're going through the storm, you've got an anchor. What is this anchor? 
It is the hope of the soul, he says in Hebrews chapter uh, 6 and 19. He said it's the hope of the soul. It's the only hope that you've got. Listen, friend, and he will abide with you. Now, this word abide with you, if you look over in one, uh, one scripture there in Colossians, he says that he will never, never, underline that word never, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. This is the kind of comfort that you've got because, listen, no matter what the crises, underline this, you're not alone. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. If the world was on fire, and it will be, listen, friend, I'm still with you. I haven't left you. I'll be there. We're going through this, the Lord says, together. You know, I like, uh, I like what Paul says, you know, in chapter 1. I underlined a lot of we's there. Verse 3, we are bound to thank God for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity or the love of every one of you, of, of you all toward each other aboundeth. Paul celebrating the love, but I like the word we. You know what we means? It means, listen, friend, that we're in this thing together. My goodness, you're not alone. That's the thing. We. And he goes on down there in verse 4, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your, in all your persecutions. Paul's saying, you're not in this thing alone. Brother, we're with you. Our prayers are with you. And I looked over there in verse 11 of that chapter. Wherefore also we pray always for you. Can you imagine having a pastor that's constantly on his knees in prayer for you? And you don't have one here. But you got one up there. You got one that entereth within the veil. Jesus is on his knees. Jesus is before the throne. Jesus is calling to the Father on your behalf every day, every hour, every second of your life. Listen, friend, he's on his knees. Now, doesn't that just grip your heart? Doesn't that just man, overwhelm you to know that he's aware of your every hurt, of your every, my offense? We do sometimes. We do, listen, friends, sometimes get hurt. But Lord, he's aware of it. I want you to know that you're not going through this thing alone. But listen, friend, he encourages us to look to the Word. I want you to look here in chapter 2 and verse 16. If you look in 17, he says, Comfort your hearts 
and establish you in every good word and work. I read back there in the book of Psalms in the 119th Psalm, which the 119th Psalm is about the word of God. And he says now down there in verse 49, he said, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. What's caused you to hope? What's the source of your hope? It's the word of God. He said, this is my comfort in my affliction for thy word hath quickened me. What's he talking about? In my affliction, your word has livened me up. Your word has cheered me up. How many times through the storm my, did the angel come to Paul and said, Paul, be of good cheer. What cheers you up in the midst of the storm? Listen, friend, the word of God does. And listen, friend, if you've forsaken the word, you've forsaken the source of your hope. No wonder your chin's dragging the ground. No wonder you're discouraged. No wonder you're down and out and down on everything. Because, listen, friend, you've forgotten to look into the word of your hope. The word of your hope is the words of Jesus. It's the words of the apostles. That's why he says there in chapter 2, here he says to stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. That pretty much spells it out, doesn't it? Hold the traditions that you have been taught. You with me? Come on, give me an amen. If it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for Silas, it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for the church of Thessalonica, it's good for me. It's all that I need. Listen, friend, I don't need no new thing. I, I got a book, and I, I told you last Sunday, I, I made a little quote from it, where Jesus, as a little boy, was down by the riverbank and was making little sparrows out of the mud. And then he just tossed them up into the air and let them fly away. And that fascinated me. That really fascinated me. I thought, you know, that could really be true. And I read the book of Nicodemus. I read, of Nic of, uh, I read the book of Lazarus. Of how that these were lost books of the Bible. And you know what? I looked at those and I looked at the test. And I thought, man, that's something. This man come back from the dead. But you know what? The words that was given to the rich man in hell, if they believe not Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe one sent to them from the dead. I don't need the book of Lazarus to prop up my faith. 
I've got all I need. It was good enough for Paul. It was good enough for Silas. It's good enough for me. Bill, we ought to sing that song, that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Some folks has left the faith because the old faith wasn't good enough for them. Amen. Somebody said, why so many people left our church? And somebody said, well, evidently Oak Hill wasn't good enough for them. Friend, I'll beg, I'll beg to differ with you. Maybe the preacher wasn't good enough for him. I don't know about that. You could probably find you a better preacher for sure. But listen, friend, but I haven't changed what I'm preaching. Hey, listen, friend, I'll tell you what I've done with that book. I flopped her up together and I put it on the shelf. And that's been over 30 years ago. And I haven't got it down since. But listen, friend, I have not failed to look into the precious book of God's holy word. Because it still encourages my heart. I don't need Dr. Ha Dr. Ruth or Dr. Spock. I don't need the word of God to be propped up. It stands for itself. It's all that I need. My listen friend, give me that old time religion. And give me the book. I don't want to hear a fairy tale. I want to hear the word. Amen. My listen friend. This is how. This is how you weather out a storm. You need an anchor. You need something that's steadfast. You need something that's solid. Something that's hooked into an immovable source. Friend, the word of God is going to be here when the world is on fire. Now, I don't know about all these statutes, whether they're going to stand or they're going to fall. I've got my opinion. My opinion is if they do fall, they ought to be done in a right and lawful and right manner. Amen? Amen. I won't tear down your statutes and you don't tear down mine. Amen? That's the way it should be. But listen, friend. As far as the things that we've all erected, they're all going to come down. This building, well, there's going to be a day when this thing's going to be, it's going to melt with a fervent heat. Don't worship your building. The church, the church is your people. The church is the temple of God. And listen, friend, it's made up of believers. And listen, he said, you're the ones that's been called by our gospel. He calls it by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the gospel is? It's called the good news. It's called the good message. But listen, friend, it's something 
that's good. It's something that wakes you up. Well, I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you like it is. My preaching can't save anybody. There's not one soul that can say that my they've been saved by Brother Jamie's preaching. Now it might help you, but it ain't going to save you. You're saved by the call of God whereunto ye are called the Holy Ghost. Listen, if he's not working in you, you ain't going to get saved. It's a call, my, of the Holy Ghost. But he tells us here, my, that ye ought to stand fast. What's he saying? Stand firm. Don't move. Don't quit. Now listen, friend, we need some, we need some folks that'll get there. We got too many wheelbar Christians. They don't get anywhere, not unless you push them. We need some folks, man, that'll get in the word and get steadfast. Amen. Oh, listen. He says, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word. You know, there's a not lot of negatives in the world. We get them. I mean, you turn on, you can turn on any news network. I don't care where it's Fox or CNN or NBC, and you can get plenty of negatives. We need some encouragers. We need some bright spots in a dark world. Amen. Amen. Now listen, friend, that's what Paul has given them. The church of Thessalonia, they was in a dark spot. All they could get was bad news. But Paul said, I got good news for you. We need some folks that'll be of that attitude and might give you some good news. Amen. The only way that you can give good news is get into the good word. My listen, friend, he said, he said, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So he gets into your words and then he gets into our work. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gets into our work. I, you know, I kind of think, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. My goodness gracious, you know, there's, there's a, a, a lot of times, you know, that we just wonder how in the, in the world are we going to meet the needs. Sometimes not. we need to have a need meeting. And that would be us meeting the needs. Because the songs, somebody needs to sing it. The preaching, somebody needs to preach it. The teaching, we need some people that will, that will teach it. Oh, listen, friend, we, we've got to have some workers in the church. My goodness gracious. You know, everybody's got something they can do. Whether you're a 
a little finger or you're a, an ear or whatever you are, you're a mouthpiece. You know, we all make up the body of Christ. And God places us in the body as it hath pleased him. We've got a work to do. In the third chapter there of, of 2 Thessalonians, Paul teaches us something that we ought to not only work, but we ought to stick to our business. Won't you look with me there in uh, verse 10. He says, For even when we commanded you, we're with you. This we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. We just got some folks that just cannot get with the program. Amen. We got some folks that are just disorderly. He said, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now, them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. I don't know about you, but we ought to, basically what Paul's saying here is, is shut your mouth and get back to work. Come on. Amen. Amen or ouch. Shut your mouth and get back to work. We've got a bunch that just wants to run around and wanna, wants to mouth what's wrong, wants to, my listen, friend, just always be negative. Friend, it's all right if you talk about me. Just talk about me to the Lord. <laughs> Amen. We need some folks that'll make their leaks count. Now, it don't count one bit. It don't count one bit if you're running around with a George Floyd sign, running around, help George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. Now, why doesn't it count? I'll agree. He, was, he died a bad death. You are not going to change human nature. You're always... You cannot legislate morality. You can't pass a law to keep that from happening. It happens because you got people with a bad heart that's trying to do a good work. And you can pass all kinds of laws. You can pass tons of laws. It ain't going to change a thing. You know, Martin Luther King was one of the greatest, one of the greatest men of the 20th century. He made a change for the colored man and for those that were belittled because of their race. But he did it in quietness. He done it in quietness. Now you say, no, 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 he wasn't quiet. I'm saying he didn't, he didn't, he didn't order a bunch of bricks to, for people to throw through windows. He didn't loot other people's property. He done it in a right way. And that's why he made a great change. You know. 
Sometimes we got to do our work with quietness. He said, cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. You know how bread falls upon the water? It don't make a whole lot of noise. But somebody's going to find that bread, and then it's going to preserve life. We need my to do our work quietly. We need to lift up and stand up for what's right. Amen. You know, the rightest thing in this world is Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything else is wrong. That's why he says, let God be true and every man a liar. Because, listen, friend, I'm not good, but God saved me. And he didn't save me because I was good. He saved me because he loved me. I've got the grace of God. And listen, friend, that's why I have this encouraging word to you that I, we've got hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's our only hope. By him, by him, listen, friend, we can. Do the right thing. Amen. Amen. Again, I'm not being political. I'm just telling you what God's word says. Amen. That's pretty good politics, if you ask me. Right. I'll vote for it. How about you? Amen. You got my vote. Jesus has got my vote. Sure. How about you? He's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only truth. And he's our only hope. Yeah, like it.